here. I'm your host, Leslie Randolph. I'm a self-confidence coach for teenage girls and the self-confidence coach you wish you had as a teen. Honestly, I'm the self-confidence coach I wish I had as a teen because I know I could have saved myself and my mother a whole lot of heartache if I'd only known then what I know now. I hope to save you some of that suffering by sharing the lessons I learned late in life right here on Why Didn't They Tell Us. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, happy people. Welcome back to Why Didn't They Tell Us. I'm so excited to be back in a room with you. And if I'm being very honest, I'm actually, I'm I'm feeling all the feels for today's conversation. Uh, this one's a personal one. Uh, I'm coming to you during a new season and a new month. Uh, a month that offers the opportunity to raise awareness about many meaningful and worthy causes that I plan to highlight in this month's two episodes, starting today. Today's topic hits close to home for me, and if you look at statistics, chances are it will hit close home for you too. It is estimated that one in eight women living in the U.S. will develop invasive breast cancer in their lives. More than four million women in the U.S. have a history of breast cancer, and that includes those currently being treated. My sister, Laura Schreiber, is one of those women. In May of this year, Laura went in for a mammogram after finding a lump in her breast. A few weeks later, that somehow felt like minutes as well as years, uh, our fears were confirmed and she was diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma. In July, she had a double mastectomy and in August, she started chemotherapy. We are actually recording this episode days before she goes back in for her second round of chemo. In the wake of her diagnosis and all the feelings that accompanied it, for me, look how I'm making this about me, the one thing that has continued to uplift and inspire me is the outlook and the mindset that she has maintained throughout all of it. And that is what prompted me to have her as a guest on today's show and to share with each of you. So with that, Laura... I'm amazed I made it through that intro with like full tears. I only welled. I rocked it out. Yeah. Tell our lovely listeners like your story. What got you to be in this chair today and that outlook that I'm talking about? Because it's not just what's happened since May. No, no, it's been, I feel like this diagnosis is just kind of the most recent big kind of potentially life-rocking piece of information or news that I've received that was uh, what some could consider not good, you know, uh, over the last three years. It really started um, really just about three years ago, just a few days ago, you know, and Leslie, it impacted you too. You know, our father died very unexpectedly. And this was during COVID. So our ability to really say goodbye was really limited, right? We, you know, I didn't get, even get a chance to say goodbye at a time that he was lucid. He was pretty much all, you know, almost gone at that point. Um, so that happened. And devastating, obviously, because we loved our father. Uh, 30 days later, I was hospitalized with what we thought at the time was a heart attack. Uh, and I will say, I, 
I never for a moment since my breast cancer diagnosis, it, it didn't even occur to me that I was going to die. I thought I was going to die when I was rushed to that hospital. And it was like a scene out of ER. So many doctors, so many nurses screaming at each other, saying words that I didn't understand. And me kind of just in shock, looking around, thinking, is this it? Is, is this the day I die? I think I'm going to die. Um, to it happening again, um, a week later, back in the hospital, fully um, to find out, you know, I had uh, a not uncommon heart condition, uh, which fortunately was very easily rectified through surgery. But again, all of this in a 90-day period. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, I come down, I was pregnant, you know, at, at 40, um, only to miscarry about, what, eight weeks later. Yeah. And then to have a really complicated miscarriage that required emergency surgery because the original DNC didn't catch everything, right? So, like, I'm in the hospital on a morphine drip and having emergency surgery at 1 a.m. Uh, in the morning. To a few months after that, having a skin cancer scare and having to have a huge chunk of tissue taken out of my abdomen. And I've now got this big, you know, kind of cool looking scar. Um, so to then uh, severing a tendon in my hand that required tendon repair surgery and it was my dominant hand so I couldn't type I couldn't do my hair for like two months um and it was extremely painful that was my first uh that was my first experience with opioids um so that was fun and to this you know this this lump that turned into you know what I think so many women fear which is this this diagnosis that um you know really fortunately we caught early enough that through a lot of activity, uh, I'm going to be fine, uh, but changed for sure because breast cancer treatment has come really far, uh, but there's really no way to properly treat it gently, right? It's, you know, the double mastectomy is a major surgery. Chemotherapy is literally putting medicine into kill everything in my body including cancer but you know you i don't know if there's going to be video with this but i am here almost bald with breezy patches of, of of scalp just popping through um and i am losing hair by the moment i am sitting here covered I've, i am a german shepherd at this point just just shedding all over the house everywhere I go. um and i'm not done yet it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better but what's crazy, and you didn't ask me this, but I've never been happy. I've never felt more alive. And I can say without question, the last three years of my life have been the best years of my life. So how, how can you say that? Because I think, you know, and I remember as Laura was going through Laura went through this. It was actually a very interesting parallel. Because in the wake of our dad passing away, that was when I had this, you know, wake up call of life is short. Um, I think during COVID, we all had that kind of, you know, universal like life, life is short. What are we doing? And if yeah. you wanted to answer that call for me, it was I've felt this desire to help people for so long 
Um, and I'm going to make that dream a reality. I'm going to go, I'm going to leave this very comfortable and lucrative career uh, that I've done for nearly 20 years. Um, but to to go pursue this certification in life coach school. Yeah. So as Laura's going through all this, and and I'm giggling thinking about conversations Laura and I had, you know, my training was always that whatever life throws at us, those are just circumstances. Right. They aren't good. They aren't bad. And I, we get to talk to Laura right now where she has developed this mindset. But in the wake of all of those, right? And how beautiful that it, you have this mindset going on the journey that you are on now. But in the wake of everything Laura was talking about, I would come back to her now with my new shiny tools of like, well, that just is, you know? And I remember, yeah, there was a, you caught me on a bad day. You <laughs> caught me on a day. So it was around the skin cancer piece. And, you know, during COVID, I got really, uh, really, really serious about being physically active and exercising. Remember, and I was just, and we both were, we, I, you've always been, but I really kind of became like you were. It's like I had to exercise every day. It was so important to me physically, mentally to do that, especially because, you know, there wasn't as many opportunities to be active. I remember I had just left an appointment um, where we were hoping to get my stitches out. Um, and they said, you know, because I was so excited because as soon as stitches were out, that meant I could exercise again. And they were like, you know, it's, I think we need to leave them on another week. And I was just, because I came into that with expectations and they were just completely stymied. And I called you on my way home and you're like, you had just kind of learned the module of like, uh, you know, things happen and they, they aren't good or bad. They're neutral. And I'm like, not now, Leslie. Like, there's nothing neutral about this. And then I started telling my story. You know, dad died. I had the heart thing. I had, I lost the baby. I had faith. Like, no. Like, enough is enough. At a certain point, things stop being neutral. And you were like, I'm sorry. And that was when we kind of had, I think, one of our aha moments. Like, maybe you asked to coach me before. Yeah. Before you do, you ask permission. Like, are you in a good place to be coached right now? You know, right. And it would never happen without you consent. At it. Yeah. But it is, but there is something to be said for things do happen, right? Things are always going to happen. We have an opportunity, whether we realize it or not, to assign meaning and value to those data points. And I think most of the time, we don't have a conscious moment of recognition that, okay, I'm making this about, I'm making this thing that happened mean something. We kind of skip, you know, there's what happened, there's how I feel about it, and then there's what I assign in terms of value, A, B, C. We kind of skip from A to C, right? You know, he didn't call me, that's because I'm ugly and I'm fat and he hates me and I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life or, you know, whatever. And well, I don't know if I think all things are neutral all the time. I do think we can choose to accept them as neutral versus making them good or bad. And, sure. And, you know, if I backtrack a little, I've done work. I've worked with a life coach. Um, I started working with somebody about four years ago. And that was one of the things we discussed, this idea of, yes, we, we kind of all naturally as humans go to that place of this thing happened, I'm scared or I'm hurt, so I'm going to make it about this. And then we 
potentially take action or just sit and spin with our feelings about it and unravel, or we can, you know, kind of pull back a second and say, wait, hold on, this, this happened. And this could have happened for any reason. I, I get to choose what sort of meaning I assign to it. And that's a very powerful thing, right? And, you know, you, you talk a lot about really being very intentional in your mindset, and it is a choice. And I've done a lot of work, and I had done a lot of work leading up to this series of events that could have rocked me. And I remember very clearly you know, when dad died, because that was the first one, and this was my first piece of evidence that the work that I had done was starting to pay off, the only thing left was good stuff. So all I'm left with now is just warmth. I love you. Yeah. all memories. Uh, and I remember just thinking like, wow, it's really cool that I'm able to do that. And, and, it, and, and not to say that I'm doing that. It's really where I was, you know, um, and with everything. I was able to, and I'm not saying I went immediately there, and then I no. was like sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops this entire time, but I was able to find grace and acceptance of all of these things. Um, and now I'm at a point where, with the breast cancer piece too, breast cancer isn't just like a moment. It's such a journey. It's just the amount of steps from, oh, there might be a problem, abnormal mammogram, to diagnosis, to staging, to, you know, figuring out what your treatment plan is going to be and whether or not it's going to be a combination of, you know, radiation, chemotherapy, surgery, hormone therapy, or hormone agonist therapy, which is next, by the way. Uh, it is a long journey, and it means a miracle. Um, but there has been so there's been so much about it that's been extraordinary and I've come to really embrace all of the change that has happened as a result because breast to treat it you have to change I don't have my own breasts anymore I've got these foreign objects sewn into my chest right now that you know, they're not mine um that will eventually be replaced with something else but you know from the neck down my body looks and feels completely different and my body will always feel completely different i, I am sitting here almost bald my I, my hair has fallen out that is change especially for someone who you know if your listeners have seen, you know, have your sight, you've got this gorgeous curly hair. Well, so do I. This big, gorgeous, curly hair that I curls are better than mine. And his. <laughs> but it's always been the most, you know, prominent feature that I've had. And it's been such a big part of my identity. What do I, right? Um, my idea of what I should look like, I, I've had to just throw that out the window. It's changed my relationship with food because everything tastes different. I can only tolerate certain things. I don't get the same type of enjoyment of eating. Uh, and that's going to last a long time. Um, and for someone who also, I think, 
I've got, you know, body stuff. That's really strange too. And I have to now look at that. The, once I finish with this, you know, I'm going to be on this hormone therapy. It's going to probably kick me straight in the menopause. And that's going to be, forget about losing your hair. I'm going to start growing hair everywhere I don't want it. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Right. I, and I have no idea. Because you have no control. One different. I have no control. And that is huge. I have no control over it. And I have control over so much else. And I can control how I want to approach this. Right? Like, I have made a conscious choice to spend, to not spend my energy trying to keep things the same. Because mm. that's a waste. Nothing is going to be the same. I can resist yeah, the change or I can yeah. embrace the change. Yeah. And, and and embrace, not just accept. Find ways to find joy in the change. Right? To thrive through the change. I think I share with you, when I started losing my hair, uh, my husband and I, we just buzzed it. And I had no idea what to expect. You know, I always thought I probably look like Uncle Fester with no hair. I think that's what I was kind of preparing myself mentally for. I, I looked in the mirror and you talk about a difference, right? For someone who has this big, big, big hair to be bald and never cried. A lot of women cry. I immediately was excited. I had no idea how beautiful I was under all that hair. I am so beautiful. Like, I have never felt more beautiful in my entire life to the point where, as it starts to grow back, I think I'm going to keep the buzz for a bit. I feel like I didn't get to enjoy that full buzzed head now that it's all like. I didn't get that long enough. I was really digging it. Um, so who who knows what other exciting surprises are going to come from this, right? I was devastated at the thought of having to lose my breasts and have these, these fake breasts because I don't like this idea of being this busty person. I love wearing that right now. It's fantastic. I, I'm so curious because I, you know, always I want to go into the the lesson learned. But do you think, you know, we talked about where you were three years ago and, you know, that one day of like, don't you dare tell me this is neutral. But like, how did you get and, and I really want to just also say really quickly, like there is no right way or wrong way to deal with the diagnosis. There is no, no. right way or wrong way to, to deal with anything in your world. I love where Laura is and where she showed up, where she is now and how she is showing up to each day. Um, but if this is you, if you see any of you where Laura is, give yourself grace and allow yourself to be wherever you are. Um, go and ahead. That's Laura. huge. Yeah. So one of the things that I did with my coach, one of, one of the things that was really about to me that she kind of helped me see how, how we are typically so hard on ourselves. Right. And and every time we think something negative or do something that doesn't serve us, it's usually being fueled by or informed by the little girl inside of us who is scared of not getting what she needs. And I was really 
profoundly moved by that statement because I remember being a little girl and you know, this is what you and I grew up in the same household, but we have very different experiences, internalized it and carried with me so much shame and so much this this feeling that I was bad, that I was inherently bad, and that I was different from everyone else in a way that was not good, and that I would not be able to have the things everybody else had because of that. that I would always have to accept less because that was just my lot in life because I wasn't good. And that was my mindset. No, it was your story. Yeah. That was I my mean, story, but it informed the way I processed everything. It, it informed the way I kind of downloaded information and the way I interpreted everything that happened to me. Everything was and, filtered through that lens. Yeah. And when I worked with our, my coach, you know, her her kind of process for this was like, it is a little girl. How do you talk to a little girl? You take care of her, right? You, you can't be mad at a little girl for not understanding something. I mean, I guess you could. But like, if you were the parent of that little girl, you loved that little girl. What would you do? You would wrap your arms around her and you would be gentle. Yeah. You would you would be loving and soothing with her. And you would talk to her so that when that little girl is scared and acting out and and feeling like, oh, I'm going to fail, or oh, you know, whatever, to people say, Hey, hey, honey, hey, sh- I got you. I'm here. Yeah. I'm the parent. I'm the adult. I'm not gonna let anything pass to you so let's just take a deep breath and validating too why that little girl might feel the way she feels of course you would feel scared who wouldn't feel scared guess what you know i'm here we're gonna be okay and that was that type of shift in my internal self-talk that that gentleness that I chose to to have with myself, which required a lot of practice. Like I had had a year of practice in that before some of these things started happening. Really prepared me to be able to emotionally take on all these things and know that I would be okay. What it also did, though, was I got a year of realizing that I could refrain my brain. That's amazing that you could retrain that I am like and I am a I am a cerebral electrician. I was able to rewire this this the most complicated machine on earth to make it work in a way that better served me. That means that I am such a badass. Like, I am so powerful mentally and strong that I was able to do this, that I was able to unwind 40 years of shame and negative self-talk and self-loathing and all of the behaviors that didn't serve me that came with it. 
and forgive myself for all the things that I had done when I was just trying to survive. To be able to come to a from to be able to approach my life from a place that forget about surviving. Of course, I'm going to survive. I've got mom here, right? Like me. I've got me. I've got, I've got me. me. But I'm going to thrive. I am going to be okay no matter what because I know how to rewire my brain and I am being really like I'm being gentle with myself. Like you know, I'm being taken care of. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that's the lesson to learn, that I am so powerful, that I am so resilient, that I am completely, uh, what's the word, uh, just, I'm, un- I'm unstoppable. If I can do that, I can do anything. And that has carried me through the trauma of the last few years, which I don't even, looking back on it, like, I don't even, trauma is too strong a word. That has kept me really solid during periods of, of life really trying to like rock. And it, what I didn't let it rock. I've continued to thrive. And I've had wonderful things happen over the last three years. Things that I created during all of that. Yeah. Be- so it's, that's what I've learned. And if I could learn that, I mean, anybody can. Well, and anybody but I wouldn't can. have learned it without doing, without having a, like a Sherpa. I needed a Sherpa. I wasn't going to do that myself. If I, if I could have done it myself, I would have. Well, I always tell my clients, you know, it's simple, right? Like the way that you think about you and the way you talk to you and the way you treat you. It's not easy. It's simple. Doesn't make it easy. And no. particularly... For my older clients like you, you know, there's the teenage girl, but there's a teenage girl that's still in all of us. And you're even talking about this little child. Yeah. Um, because your lens through which you saw the world was informed at a very young age. And that goes with us. But we can all retrain our brains. We can all. It is simple. It's not easy. And I love what you said. And it takes practice. And then right when you think I'm kind of skilled at it. Life is going to throw you these three years. It's like, oh, you think you got it? Here you go. And I was fortunate, you know, that, you know, I, again, I was fortunate that I'd had all this time to really work on all of that so that it became almost second nature to me. I mean, there were days where I really had to like go back to basics and like be reminded of those tools, you know, and I'm not suggesting that I haven't had moments of of deep, deep sadness and frustration and, you know, kind of raging at the world like this is unfair. This is too much person. Um, But there are moments. And then I'm done. And then I'm able to kind of go right back into, you know, this mode of like, yeah, but I'm, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be better than fine. Right. Um, and that's where just, you know, you go back to the work. Let me go back to the work. You go right. Back to the work. And what can I control? I can control my outlook. I can't control what's happening to my body. I can't control, I can't control the world. And that doesn't mean, again, on days, you know, you give yourself so much grace when absolutely there are days that. It's overwhelming that it's scary. And that's when you just take that little you in your arms. With breast cancer specifically, you know, 
it's a multidisciplinary approach to treatment. And I remember when I met with first met with my breast surgeon, he said two things that I thought were really profound. He said, first of all, cancer is not an emergency. It's not. So all of this like impatience that you're probably feeling, like you have to just like make all these decisions today and you have to get started today. We can let go of that. It, it, it took a really long time for this cancer to get to the point where we could even detect it, which means we have a minute to be really thoughtful about this. And we're going to need a minute because we have to approach this in a number of different ways. So we can take the acute like anxiety and angst out of it. And we're going to treat this the way we would treat a project. And he said, you're the project manager. And that really resonated with me because of the kind of work that I do. Uh, and I realized I could control more than just my mindset. I could be very tactical in terms of how I can create comfort and 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 really prepare myself in every way for each step of this process. And for me, you know, it was making conscious choices to come really, really educated in what I had. Uh, learn as much as I could about how to prepare for all of these big changes like the mastectomy. Not only how do you prepare for surgery, how do you prepare for recovery? What can you do to kind of promote healing and promote well-being during recovery? Because recovery is a long process, it's painful. What can you do to, to become okay with this idea, you know, of, of losing your breasts um, or of accepting new breasts? What can you do in your marriage now that this is kind of off limits and this will never really be a part of your intimate relationship in the same way again because you don't have feeling there, right? What can you do to prepare for chemotherapy? What can you do to manage as, as well as possible all the negative aspects of the chemotherapy, right? Um, what can I do to ensure that I'm getting what I need that I can't, you know, that maybe I can't provide myself in terms of support. You know, I was able to control all of those things. And I was very deliberate. You know, I made sure that in my, in my recovery, I had the yummiest, comfiest clothes and fabrics that felt so good against my skin and that were cool to the touch. I, you know, for the chemo, I, said, well, I know I'm going to lose my hair. That's inevitable. What I don't know is how I'm going to feel about it. So I should get some really great hats that feel good, that are fun and cute. I should, yeah, and I did. I, I got some beautiful head wraps too that I thought might be fantastic. Who knew I, I would love being bald so much that I probably might not even use them, right? I made an appointment at a custom week place so that I could get a hair piece that would make me you know, maybe on the days where I just wanted to look like a girl again, I, I would have that ready to go so that because I couldn't control the timing of when I lost my hair, but I could control whether, you know, I could have tools around me that would make me feel prepared for it so that whenever it happened, I had options, right? That, so it's very tactical. But that I think that helps too in terms of being able to not feel like Again, all of this is happening to me and I have no control. I can control a lot of things. And, you know, gratitude has come very easy for me. And 
and maybe I'm not giving myself credit, but the way I look at it is how fortunate am I that I live in, you know, in a big city that gives me access to some of the best medical support and care that somebody could ask for, right? You know, I Northwestern Hospital in Chicago is fantastic, right? So it's not like I'm I have to travel three you know, three hours for each treatment or for each appointment. I have access to great care. I have great insurance, which allows me to approach my care without having to think about how I'm going to pay for it. I am gainfully employed and, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate financially. We're in a very good place. Um, and I, I'm employed in a job that because I, I don't have to like clock in and out for shifts. I've been able to take time off when I needed it without it impacting my ability to make money. And again, even if I couldn't make money right now, we're okay. We're just fortunate. We're in a good position. We've saved, you know, financially. Again, I don't don't even have to think about the financial piece. But that is such a gift. I also, you know, the company I work for has been so flexible with me. I mean, I I I could come there tomorrow and say, you know, I need every meeting to be held on a beach, and they'll say whatever you need, Laura. Uh, like they just they've been. They've shown me how much they care about me as a human, and they, they've made such unbelievable accommodations. How fortunate am I that my company does that, right? You know, and I've also been with with some of these people now for ten plus years. You know, I'm fortunate. Again, that worked out really well. I have a partner. I have the most unbelievable husband, who happens just to be just very good at this stuff. You know, he, no. he's just. He's come with me to every appointment. He's been so patient with me. He plays caregiver really naturally when I've needed it. He's a very sensitive, emotional man. So he's been very attentive to my emotional state. You know, some people, some people don't have, I have family locally. I have you, I have, you know, mom some of the year. I've got Mari, I've got here, you know, I've got our siblings, all of whom would drop everything to be there for me if I need it. Even when she doesn't want it, guys. Even yeah. when she doesn't want it. There have been a couple of times where, <laughs> and I'm sure what you want to talk about that, too. there have been a couple of times where your idea of support did not gel with mine, you know? Yeah. But, but again, thank goodness this happened to me and not someone else. Right? Because I am in a position where I have what I need and I, it doesn't impact, none of this has impacted me in all of these extra challenging ways that it could have impacted someone else, right? Sure. I don't have children who are relying on me. I don't have, you, you know, like all of that. And I think but that's you know, the also, that makes me, go ahead, sorry. Uh, no, no, I stepped on you. That's also credit to your outlook. Yeah. But it, I mean, but I, I can't, you know, if, if there are people listening to be like, well, of course she's positive. You know, she doesn't have five young children under the age of four. Actually, that probably is possible. Like that she's, you know, taking care of and she's not a single parent and she doesn't, you know, she, you know, the, again, the work thing, like, so I'm very fortunate. I'm so fortunate to have all of that. So yeah, you notice you're very blessing. present for that. 
I don't take it for granted. I'm so grateful. I'm also really grateful for the way that people in my life have shown up for me. And I don't know if you're going to ask me, like, what's one piece of advice that, like, you would give to someone with breast cancer? Mine is tell everybody you Tell everyone you know if you feel comfortable what's going on with you. And if you don't feel comfortable, but you like the idea of maybe somebody else telling people for you, have them tell everybody you know. Because you opened with this. Chances are they've been touched by this too. Which means there are so many people who will come out of the woodwork offering guidance and support and recommendations who are willing to literally take their shirts off and say, because this happened, would you like to feel mine? Because I just had reconstruction 10 years ago. Feel that. See how they feel. I was literally standing with one of my mother's friends in a bathroom, tits out, talking about this, you know, because I had, had said to my mother, you can tell people. The way my, my again, I talk about work, like, my boss, I, I, I think the universe purposely had me working for this man at this time in my life because I've only worked for him for a year, even though I've known him a very long time. And his name is Matt Harmon. I told him I'd give him a shout out today. You know, he, he's been touched by cancer and his family. So he has been so wonderfully gracious with me and, and anticipated my needs. And, you know, I've said, I think I need a week. He goes, you need to. Yeah. He's been so wonderful and kind and, and, and flexible and just gracious with me. The amount of edible arrangements that would show up at my house, you know, I, I have never had more fruit in my life. You know, <laughs> you know, Taryn, your best friend who bought me those yummy pajamas that were so delicious when I was in my recovery. You know, the chemo kits that people would send me with, the, you know, the lip balms because your lips get real dried. You know, that the, all of that. Every day was another reminder that I was loved and that I had support and that people had me in their thoughts and in their fears. Yeah. It was almost, I mean, it was almost overwhelming to be honest. But I, it buoys you. Yeah. yeah, you can borrow their love when you're feeling low and let it lift you up. Yeah, and, and there were our low points. I mean, there are days where I was just in so much pain, you know, I could barely get out of bed to use the bathroom. Um, and then there would be this nice thing that came in and I got to have this moment of unwrapping this, this exciting gift. Who thought of me today? You know, and so my advice, tell everybody, Tell us. So, so tie this up in a beautiful bow too, because so great advice. Tell everybody so that you can feel that love, so you can feel that support, whether it's, you know, in the form of an edible arrangement or a text message on a day where your your outlook is being challenged. And then it's like that deep you breath get of good advice. You get good recommendations. It's all have, those little things. I wouldn't have known that. Yeah. Right. What I, you know, I, I love me a, a mirror mantra, you know, and I always say like we have the opportunity and it's exactly where you started even of yeah. like we retrain our brain. Our brain is going to give us on its default bully brain mode, the worst case scenario, the negative and through that lens through ever which you've already looked at life or we have that very intentional, deliberate bestie brain that's like, you got this. I know it's hard right now. So what if we can 
give listeners some mantras to borrow or some beliefs to borrow as they go through whatever it is that they're going through right now? What what do you got for us? Well, I actually have, it's funny you say mirror mantras. I know you know this. I have post-its on my mirror. You know, I do. You know I know this and you know I have them too and I recommend them to all my clients. So there you uh, go. But- you know, <laughs> It, the one that I feel like is most present for me right now is this. This is teaching me something I need to know. Mm. This is teaching me something I need to know. That's a really big one, right? Every, everything that happens is an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to see something you wouldn't have been able to see yesterday. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All of these all of these things have served as these like lampposts guiding me and illuminating these new paths that I could choose to walk through. And that's exciting. It's exciting. Like, yeah, I, I love it. get, and I've said this to you too, like it's not that I have to go through chemo. I get to go through chemo and I get to see how I will experienced all of these things i get to go through this and find opportunities for joy on the other side i get to be so present for the first time in my life to all of the people right yeah i i get to have these experiences that not everybody gets to have and i get to you know, I get all of the learning that comes from So incredible, Laura. What advice would you give to someone of how to love and support someone who is going through this and what not to do? Well, I think, you know, let go of the outcome. Give your love and your support with no expectations, right? Um. The person that you're supporting may not have the energy to write you a thank you card right away when you send them flowers. Um, it may be a few days before they respond to your text. Might not be feeling it in the moment. Still send the flowers. Still send the text. I think from, you know, everyone wants to know that they're loved. I think asking what does, what would support look like? right I'm now to kind of find out because maybe it's to be honest support is leaving me alone for a little bit and letting me come to you and and tell you what i need i might not know what i need in this moment i might still be processing all of this so like so like give me a rain check that i can cash in anytime when i need it um i still think you know that quick text because texts are perfect they don't have to pick up the phone right they don't have to respond. It's just a way of saying, love you. Right? Thinking about you, Someone's thinking about you back. You know, like, it's it's not invasive. Um, so I'm a big fan of the text or the card, you know, just saying, just want you to know I'm thinking about you. And but let go of the expectation. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. And don't, like, don't don't get weird about that. Like, if they don't respond, it doesn't mean anything. Right? Don't go, to, don't go from column A, column C. Don't make it mean something. Um. I think also, I think our natural inclination when we're talking to somebody is to try to be like, well, at least it's not this. 
Well, at least it's not pancreatic cancer. Well, at least it's not stage four. You know what? It's still this, you know, like the, there's something that you, you think you're helping in that way, but it almost diminishes what it is, right? Yes, it's not that, but it is this and this is real. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not a fan of that. Um, and I also think, especially at the beginning, I, I think I mentioned earlier, the amount of time it takes from, oh, something might be wrong to it's definitely cancer to type of cancer to how are we going to treat it? It's a series of steps. And I think if you haven't gone through it, you may have this expectation that the person you're talking to has all this information. They may not have yet. And I I can share, you know, there was a conversation, you, me, and mom, where mom was like, well, what do you mean you don't know? How, how could, what do you mean you didn't ask? Or, or how, how do they not know this? And I found myself getting really worked up. I almost felt like she was suggesting that I hadn't been advocating for myself enough to be able to have this information. And I get, I, I, I was very activated in that moment. And I was like, you know what? Like I got really, I got really, you know, sent off. all triggered, activated in our, yes, family. in our family. I feel activated. <laughs> yeah. But I really was because I felt like I had been ad- advocating for myself. I felt like I had been really like doing everything I could to try to have as much knowledge as possible. Because for me, like I like, I like no, like I know so much about invasive ductal carcinoma. Uh, you're like an encyclopedia. Crazy. Like, um, so for to hear what almost sounded like you haven't done this well, or maybe the people that your doctors aren't good enough. Like I, that was too hard for me. So I, you know, be careful with assuming they should have information that truly just may not be available to them yet. Well, it just goes back to your, it's such a beautiful question. And, and I love it for everybody of like, how can I support you? What does support yeah. look like right now? Because there, uh, like we said, there isn't one size fits all. Um, Laura, as we wrap up today, I mean, I, I ask a lot of my my guests, you know, what would you tell your teenage self? I guess, you know, I'm going to flip it for you. Okay. What would your future self, the one that's on the other side, and she does, the badass that makes it through, yeah, you know, you what three, say to three me, years right? from now, <laughs> as we come back on the show, you know, what would she tell you? Oh, well, hopefully she would say, I'm so glad you held on to all this good stuff, even after you didn't have to. You know, like, there is part of me, because again, I'm in such, like, I'm just so filled with light right now. Like, I hope once this kind of all ends, that I don't lose that, you know, uh, that this isn't just a product of this really acute situation. I want to stay present for for all of this love. I want to stay grateful um, because it feels so good. And it's something that I really didn't feel before, you know. I think up until just a few years ago, I really felt like I was just trying to survive my life rather than, you know, really focusing on living it. And I don't want to go back to that. 
you know, I, I, I want to focus on thriving and, and sucking marrow out of this life that I am so grateful to have. Um, so I hope she comes, you know, she says to me, like, isn't it cool that we kept this going? Yeah. And you can, you will. But Laura, I love you. <laughs> I love you. And I, I, you've been amazing through all of this. You've been everything that I thought I needed, that I didn't know I needed. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for us and for our relationship. And again, I I do believe in, I, I do believe at least right now in the universe. I think the timing of this happening to me, like we had to wait until you had the tools that you have so that I get to benefit from that. You know why? Well, I, so. I get to benefit from you. Um, and everyone that listened gets to benefit as well. So thank you for sharing with us. My friends, I'm not going to close out. I'm not going to close out with a why didn't they tell us. Um, I'm going to close out with get a mammogram. Yes. Get a mammogram. Get a mammogram. Uh, on top of your mammograms. It's so important. And if you and listen to your body, if you see something, say something. No one else is going to care about it as much as we do, right? And no one knows it better than we do. And as a woman in particular, sometimes we have to shout that much louder to be heard when it comes to getting the, the medical care that we need. Um, that is not small. That is, you know, you've got to be your own advocate. And if, if something feels not quite right, investigate. Raise your hand. Absolutely. All right, my friend. Until next time. Love what you hear? Well, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at confidencecoachforgirls.com. That's confidencecoachforgirls.com. Or email me at lesliethelifecoach at gmail.com. That's lesliethelifecoach at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you.